Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Dave Carson and Michael Darnowski. Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week, as always, is Cleveland Area Attorney and sometime Republican strategist Jay Carson. Here's our question for this week, Jay. All right. Dear politics guys, what can government do to deal with the student loan debt crisis in the United States? Okay, so pretty straightforward, simple question. Um, now, before we get to that, let me kind of give everyone some basic information on student loan debt in, in the United States. Right now, we're at around $1.3 trillion, that's trillion with a T, in student loan debt overall. Big number, right? right. Um, now, that's actually the third largest overall source of consumer debt in the United States. Now, number one, I think is pretty obvious. Everyone can guess what that is. Jay? Is it, is it, are we saying homes? Homes, exactly. Homes are $8.12 okay. So right, homes are enough. far and away the biggest one. Then you have student loan but debt. I'll, but, I'll put a, but I'll put a qualification on, on homes, and that is that you, you're building equity and, and you have equity and the, the debtor is secured. Yes, absolutely. That's yeah, a good okay. point. It is secu- that's secured debt versus student loan and credit card unsecured. debt, which is unsecured. Yes. And that, and that's so student loans are second. Third is auto loans. They're just over a trillion. And if people also are, secured. Yes. Now, credit card debt is number four on that list at seven hundred and twelve billion dollars. So so pretty clearly, you know, one point three trillion almost any way you look at it, that's a lot of money. And not only is it a lot of money, but that's that number has that figures actually more than tripled over the last decade. Uh, so that's that's pretty impressive, and that not only that, but it affects a lot of people. Over seventy percent of new graduates have student loan debt. That was less than half of all new graduates two decades ago, and the average yep. debt for the class of twenty fifteen is just over thirty five thousand dollars. And even after you adjust for inflation, that's more than double the average of twenty years ago. So, yes. so I guess the, the you know the quick version of this is not only is it a huge number, but it's skyrocketing in terms of the trend. So, the right. first thing I think is this really a crisis? We hear to talk about the student loan debt crisis. Would you say that this is a crisis, Jay? I would say it is. I would say it is. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, crisis is, you know, I mean, say things like hostage crisis or terrorism crisis. Uh, is it? But but no, it's, it's something that that we have to come to terms with and, and stop within the next couple of years, uh, or I think it's going to be a big, big drag on the economy. Okay. Uh, so, so crisis, is it, is it something that has to be changed tomorrow? No, but it's, it's policies I think have to be put in place that will slow the, the trajectory. Cause I think you hit on it. That's the biggest problem. It's not even so much the numbers. It's the, the, the trend uh, the yeah. increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I should point out that it's still college is still an amazingly good deal from an economic standpoint. If you take a look at the numbers, median weekly earnings for people with at least at least a bachelor's degree are nearly double that of people without a degree. Also, if you look at unemployment, current unemployment as of December 2015 for college for college grads is 2.3 percent as compared to for just high school grads, it's 5.6 percent. Not only that, but on average, over a lifetime, college grads earn an average of a million dollars more than just high school graduates. And this is based on a Georgetown University uh, study done in 2015. So there's still a great what they call return on investment for a college degree. You know, it makes right. but, sense. But, but even although, if you although to, to some extent, 
you're talking, you're comparing return on investments of past college degrees with return on investments of, Good point. of future college degrees. Especially we're talking about lifetime earnings. Which may or may not yeah. be the same. Yeah, absolutely. Lifetime earnings, that's going back yeah, for a long time. So why do you see this as a problem, Jay? Well, I mean, it, it's it's taking money out of the economy. Uh, you know, for, for young people who want to move on, start businesses, start work, buy homes, um, that's 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 a big a big problem if they're still living in uh, a mom and dad's basement um they're they're they don't have that money to to, to pump into the economy yeah, and certainly it limits uh, the job other, options. the other thing that, that that you you didn't touch on in, in your numbers are the number of students who have student debt but end up with no degree right which is which is truly problematic and and that's that's a fairly big number uh and a lot and, of that that's I'd say a lot of that has to do with these for-profit universities, which basically a lot of them seem to be set up to be essentially factories for getting federal student aid money and then basically not doing anything for students and, and you know, just kind of not really caring at all about whether or not they get a degree, which I think is just horrendous. Right. Well, I, I, that's that's a different thing. I, I don't know how much the, the number is, is based on the for-profit versus the not-for-profit, um, but I think there's a troubling trend that college takes longer than it used to. Uh, it costs more and the results are, uh, less predictable. Um, and, and so, so, and you have people coming out of college then that their job options are really limited what they can do, especially I think people who are maybe interested in public service or working for things that aren't as financially rewarding because they, they come out with this huge debt load that they have to, that they have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm saying. It, it, Start, it it uh, delays the time when uh, these people might be able to buy houses, start families, which, again, would typically be you know, five, ten years down the road. But it moves that back down to 15, 20 years down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And so in terms of causes, and you, you kind of alluded to it, obviously the, one of the big reasons why students are taking on more debt is that tuition has gone way, way up. And just to throw a few more figures at everyone to give a sense of how much college tuition has gone up – if we take a look over the last, uh, well, starting with, uh, say, from 1975-76 to 2015-2016, which is a good long period of time, the average cost of a public four-year school in 1975-76 year, including room and board, $7,800 roughly. Now, that's in mm-hmm. inflation-adjusted $2015. That's increased over 150%. Today, the average cost is just shy of twenty thousand dollars. So that's, I mean, that's an after inflation adjusted increase. Right. Yeah, and so that's a huge amount. That's a huge amount of money, right? And so not only that, but at the same time, states are appropriating a lot less money for college education. So what that means is that states are funding schools less. Where do schools make up that money? They make up that money by raising tuition. Essentially. Well, I, I don't know that that's universally true that states are uh, funding schools less. Oh, it's overall it's true. States I understand are, you. You got you got an issue in Kentucky. No, um, well, <laughs> well, overall, even I mean, if you just take a look at averages, for instance, adjusting again for inflation, uh, states uh, in. 2014-2015, states appropriated around $81 billion for higher education, and uh, that's 
3% less than in 2000, 2001. So that appropriations are actually going down. While at the same time, student enrollments are up over the same period are up 30% more. So you have more students and smaller appropriations. And that really puts the squeeze on institutions where they have to make up that money somehow. And the only way they can really make up that money is by raising tuition. Well, you know, I'm going to take I'm going to take a different different uh, view on this as far as what the problem is. And okay. You said before that that student debt is as you know tuition is going up or student debt is going up because tuition is going up. Uh, I'd say it's almost the the inverse of that. Uh, tuition is going up because we've created a an artificial bubble uh, through through these uh, student loan programs that we're pumping more and more money into colleges and they will naturally uh, inflate their, their prices more and more. I mean, it's, it's just sort of an economic uh, basics that that's, what's going to happen uh, when you pump that much more money into the system. Uh, and the problem is we're not seeing the return on that, that money. When you see these student loan uh, default rates, uh, which, which will, uh, you know, continue to rise if, if we don't, either create an economy where these, these uh, new graduates can use their skills and start paying off, you know, get that return on, on investment that, that, that's been the historical return on investment, um, or, or we uh, reduce the cost. Yeah, well, you know, I think the two, I would argue that the two most dysfunctional sectors of our economy in the United States are healthcare and education. And they're huge sectors of our economy, obviously, especially healthcare. But I think the thing that these two these two sectors of our economy have in common is that they're weird markets. Education is a really weird market. It doesn't function like a traditional market in that you have these geographic monopolies. Not only that, but actually consumers are weirdly price insensitive for a lot of reasons. Now, part of it might be the money that the federal government pumps in, but part of it's also that some people see college tuitions as like kind of like a luxury good in the sense that if a college is too cheap, they look at it kind of askance, you know, and so. Oh, it, no, I agree. I think there's some of that going on. Yeah. So it, it doesn't cut what I'm saying is education like healthcare doesn't function like a traditional market. And so I would argue that simply just sort of removing all sort of government intervention and letting the market kind of do what it does might not really be the solution here in this case. Well, I, I didn't say that. I okay. didn't say remove all government intervention, but I, I did say, let's, let's take a look at uh, how much, uh, we are the, the government is underwriting these these student loans uh, because that's that's the problem that, that we're getting. It's very much similar to the, the housing bubble uh, in that we're underwriting uh, loans that are are unlikely to be uh, for for our, uh, repaid. And and maybe maybe a, a good way to look at this is you know a lot of people are going to have to take a haircut at some point uh, if default rates continue and. Uh, Colleges and universities aren't going to like that, and, and I think taxpayers aren't going to like that, but that's probably where we're going to end up. Yeah, well, I think you know one problem is that what a lot of people don't realize is that there actually are a number of programs that allow people with student debt to do what's called income-based loan repayment. Now, there are various programs that the federal government set up, but essentially they're generally based on a 20-year repayment scheme, which is, which is uh, relative to a percentage of a person's income 
which is typically 10%. So it gives people a little more flexibility to go into lower paying jobs because that, you know, they, they still essentially their payments are capped at a certain level. And these programs, a lot of people want to expand them, especially on the democratic side. And so certainly that, that would help to a certain extent. Uh, Some other solutions that you hear about more from liberals is, uh, well, Hillary Clinton, for instance, has said, no student should have to take out loans to go to a public four-year college in their state. And what she is proposes to do <laughs> when she becomes the next president is to uh, to provide grants to states to support higher education along with increased accountability measures. Now, her program calls for $175 billion over 10 years. But mm-hmm. weirdly enough, a lot, maybe weirdly enough, a lot of college presidents aren't crazy about this idea, and in part because they don't like the idea of accountability measures. They don't know what that means, but it sounds like a lot of you know federal intervention telling them how to educate people and so forth. They're not really crazy about that. So um, yeah. Now, if you look at Bernie Why? Sanders, Bernie Sanders, of course, is a much more radical solution. And I'm sure right. you've it heard all of this. just be free. Yeah, it all be free. Now that would because cost stuff is you can just make stuff yeah. free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now that would cost seven hundred billion dollars over ten years. So that's a lot more radical. And basically, that would be paid for mostly, according to the Sanders plan, by a tax on stock transactions. So that's what would come from the the one percent. That sort of thing is what he sees. Now, one one percent. The, the, the problem. The problem there again is, you know, when you say something, you just say, okay, here's the number, and, and we're going to cap it. Um, the colleges and universities will, will likely say, look, they, they can only survive under making this much money. So they either have to come up with revenue another way or they have to cut back on services or people and so forth. And uh, maybe that's that's what they, they need to do in some cases. Uh, but in other cases, not so much. I mean, and that's that's what I think the problem is. If you let, um, say, student loan rates be, be set, interest rates be set by the market. Uh, you're going to have a situation where students are maybe a little more uh, careful as far as how they they spend their money or parents of students are are more careful about what kind of debt they get into and what they know they're going to get into. And there's always this sort of, you know, rosy vision um, uh, of of what we're going to be doing after we get out of college. Um, And, uh, you know, our our expectations often tend to exceed the realities. Sure. Um, I mean, some people may end up with – you know, becoming the next uh, Zuckerberg. Uh, Probably others not. Others are just going to be, you know, yeah. sitting here doing podcasts on a Sunday afternoon. Exactly. So. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, yeah, and, right. yeah and liberals, uh, both Sanders and Clinton, would like to cut student loan interest rates, actually, which are currently at 4.29%. Now, you would suggest maybe that that's the wrong way to go because that would just inject. That's exactly the wrong, absolutely the wrong way to okay. go, yeah. Yeah, and now there's actually some pretty, well, uh, I would call sort of an innovative uh, solution that I totally disagree with, but at least well, I give it points for innovation coming from Marco Rubio. He has a thing called the Student Investment Plan, where under this program, investors would actually pay students' tuitions and then get a cut of whatever they earn over the next 20 years. And the terms or the amount that would be available to the student and the interest rate would depend on the school the student goes to, the student's major, the student's academic record. Basically, it would be like buying, you know, buying a share in that student's future, essentially, which is which is oh, I like that. Yeah, well, it's a very market based solution, a very <laughs> concern. But now the big concern about that, of course, is that it would focus college even more on this very 
big kind of return on investment thing. What are, you know, what, and I guess it gets right. in the question of what's college, college for. More, more of a vocational training exactly. rather than, than the liberal arts type thing, of, of which something is something we both really support. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's certainly an argument to be made that college should help to prepare people to, uh, and it, maybe its main purpose, I would argue, is to help people to compete and do well in a modern economy. But there are also important things like understanding how our government system works and being able to be an informed citizen in a democracy, that sort of the thing. The transmission of Western civilization. You know, that, that, that's absolutely. a big deal for me. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the concern among a lot of liberals and a lot of academics, and those two groups have almost you know very exclusive overlap, especially in the humanities, is that all of that is being lost as, as they see it, conservative governments try to push more into that, just make college essentially about vocational training. And I think both you and I agree that it would be a mistake if we went too far in that direction. Yeah, yeah. But I do like the Rubio approach uh, in that uh, certainly people who, who still have majors in the humanities or, or focuses uh, in that uh, can still make a, a good a good amount of money, and and maybe there's a maybe there's a way to do it where you you know do pooling and so forth and uh, but it it gets the it, it privatizes it to the extent that there's more accountability and the amount of money and the interest uh, that's that's uh, paid for that money reflect reality. And the reality being, how likely are we to get repaid? Right, exactly. And so a student who presumably wanted to get a degree in art history would have a lot harder time getting loans than a student who wanted to get a degree in engineering or something like that. And, you know, and, and so that in one sense, you can say, well, that reflects, you know, market realities and and. That's that's got to be how it's got to be if we're talking about especially public institutions. And, I, you know, I'm not totally unsympathetic to that, but I, I would hate to see a lot of these, I think, very important disciplines basically go by the wayside except for one survey course that a student might take in his or her freshman year and then just kind of that would be it, basically. So um, I, I would hate to see that being lost. Absolutely. So. So yeah, you know, do you do you think do you expect to see anything happen on this, regardless of who's going to be who's going to be president in twenty sixteen? Actually, I do. I, I think I think president the president uh, whoever it is in Congress will do something on uh, student loans uh, after twenty sixteen. I mean, probably not this this year, but after when new president and new Congress is elected, uh, just because the the problem is so so broad and it really hits a lot of uh, middle class families uh, who are frequent voters absolutely uh, you know, so i think it's it's one of those things that uh, um and it, it's also something that that uh, uh politicians can do and, and always look good doing and feel good doing uh whether or not the solution is is the correct one or not i, I certainly hope you're right on that so so yeah i think we did it. I, th- I think we more or less answered that question right there is a crisis uh and uh, maybe something will happen. Uh, I don't know, but it probably won't happen until sometime in oh, 2017 at the earliest, I would say. That's it for this episode of Ask the Politics, guys. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions for future episodes or just any thoughts, comments, or criticisms, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is politicsguys at gmail.com. That's politicsguys, one word, at gmail.com. Our Facebook page, where Jay and I post and comment on news articles throughout the week, and where you can comment, too, is facebook.com slash politicsguys page. Check it out and maybe give us a like. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a minute to rate the show and write a quick review. We'll be back with a new episode next Wednesday. We hope you'll join us.